Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. This is Sincere Hogan, my man Mike Mahler on the other line. What's up, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about this workshop we have coming up in September oh, because the numbers are coming in fast and furious. <laughs> and I got to tell you, that's exciting to see because as we've talked about before, workshops have been kind of a struggle the last couple of years in the U.S. and you're yeah. pushing them hard and it's, I mean, you can still get the numbers, but it, it's not easy and you're, it takes a lot of effort. And it's, it's been a while since announcing a course and then you know, 20 people sign up within 24 hours. And now, now we're up to 27 people in about a week. You know, we yeah. didn't start taking registrations until last week. And for those of you that have maybe this is the first time you're hearing the show, we're doing a course called the Live Life Aggressively Summit, September 2021 in Las Vegas. Same weekend as Mr. Olympia. And it's going to be Sincere Hogan, Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, and myself at this two-day event, eight hours each day. It's going to be a blast. Las Vegas training we're going to have extracurricular activities. We're going to get group dinners. We're looking at group hotels. We want this to be a real experience where not only do you come out and get some great training information and meet some cool people, but you have a great time too. We don't want this to be a course where the instructors are not accessible and you're, you're just left to your own means to figure out what you want to do that night after the course. We want this to be something where everyone's coming together. We're having a great time. You get to meet some similar-minded people. We have opportunities to train hard, hang out, have a good time. And we have people coming in from all over the world, Australia, Saudi Arabia, the UK. I mean, it's unreal. And then all over the US, of course. And just since the last show, we've had three more people sign up. Let me pull up that list right here. Let's see who we got here. So Ryan Crossley, Really cool guy. He's been using my products for a while. He, he loves my testosterone booster. He gave me, I think his levels went from 330 to 863 in eight weeks yeah. on the products. I mean, he got great right. results. Super cool guy. He's coming out. See, we got Leland Savage. I pronounced his name incorrectly last time because he typed his name in incorrectly. This guy was so excited to sign up. <laughs> he couldn't even type his name properly. All right. It was, I was like, what is this? L-E-L-B? I was like, I never seen a name like that before. And I was like, oh, okay, I know, I know who this guy is now. And then we have Bea Rodriguez, one of Sincere's friends. Yeah, yeah and, and fellow teammate, fellow Blackburn Kettlebell Sport teammate. So that's, that's four of our team members that will be in the house with that bad boy, man. Yeah, she said she said she can't wait to come out and show me and Steve her snatch, her world her world class snatch. So we look forward to that, Bea. We're looking forward to seeing that up and close. All right. So <laughs> Vegas is the right place to reveal your snatch if you want to reveal it anywhere. So that, that that's how you have you have the right mindset. It's gonna hey, be you have the right mindset to come out. Especially this event because one thing about it, we're gonna help everyone tighten up their snatch and really make sure that it's correct. Okay. Right. Right. And, and then if you're not good at the snatch, Ken's going to show you how to jerk. Like you've never jerked. <laughs> like before, a pro. You know? <laughs> I mean, if you can't get any snatch in Vegas, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to apply those jerk techniques. So either way, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get something good out of this. Course. Either way it goes, the clean will be involved. It has to be some cleaning involved with this yeah. technique. We'll wrap up the day. We'll wrap up each day with a bunch of cleans. So, you know? so you're all set and ready the to go. way to yeah. go. Maybe. And then it is Vegas, so there may be some swinging opportunities as well. You know? So I'm gonna I'm gonna take you guys through some double swings, you know, swings, stacked swings, you name it, man. So oh, yeah. swinging, snatches, cleans, jerks. I mean, come on. Hey, what we else will, do we need to We say? will help you get your endurance together for this. So you, it, this will be an endurance type weekend. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be kettlebell training, body weight training exercises all of us have our own different systems that we will be going through and then we'll be assisting each other so that we'll be helping each other out 
while you guys are going through the instructions. So if Sincere is teaching, I'll be in, in the audience with you guys helping him out. And so that way we, we have you have more face-to-face time with all of us during the breaks. You can ask us quick questions, things like that. So I, I don't want this to be a course where, let's say, Ken's teaching and then the rest of us are going, all right, Ken, we'll see you later. <laughs> We're going we to have, the strip. <laughs> which, which so many instructors do, where one person is instructing and everyone else just leaves and then they just come back. And I'm not, not necessarily knocking that, but I think there's – way more value if we're all on site because that gives people more time to interact with us. It gives us a chance to help each other out. Plus, I want to learn what you guys are doing because I'm a student too. I want to see what Sincere's doing. I want to see what Ken's doing. I want to see what Steve's doing because it's not like I know so much that I can't still learn stuff. So right. one of the benefits of this stuff is I get to learn from my peers who I respect as well and be a student just like you guys. So it's going to be yeah. cool. It's going to be a great event. Perfect. So tell, um, tell everyone how they can get those final few spots left over. We have like about 13 spots left now. Okay, what you need to do is sell your house, sell your car. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. Because <laughs> we've increased the price 10 times by now. We had people signing up way too fast. You know, 27 people signed in at 800 bucks. So now now we've increased the price to 8,000 bucks. So <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> no, no payment plans allowed either. <laughs> no, folks, we're, we're running this special for the rest of April where you can get into the course for $799.95. This is going to be the lowest price it's ever going to be for the course. No one's getting in at a lower price than this. No one's getting in for free either. We're not going to have 10 of our buddies show up to make, no it look like, yeah, to make it look like that we had more registrations than we did. This is a common scam a lot of companies do where they'll have 20 people who actually paid, and then they'll have 20 people that are invites, and then they just keep that under wraps so it looks like 40 people signed up. No, we're not doing that. We have 27 people that have paid to be at this course. We have space for 13 more people who want to pay to be at the course. So what you want to do is pay now so you get in at $799.95. And you do that by emailing me, mike at llapodcast.com. Say you want in the course. I'll send you a brief information, basically a paragraph about the event, and then a link where you can sign up. We don't have any detailed ad copy at all yet for this because we're doing a promotion through our podcast. You guys are the only ones who even really know about this course. We're not promoting it on any website yet. So this is a special for our podcast listeners. It ends May 1st because May 1st we are going to put ad copy up on our websites, assuming we have any spaces left. You know, If the course sells out, then there's not going to be any information to put up because we're not going to be taking registrations anymore. And with only 13 people left and – pretty much three weeks left in this month, right. chances are high we're going to get those 13 people. But yeah. like I said, if, if you guys want to wait, that's fine with me. You know, wait. Go ahead and wait till after May. That way we can charge you more because it'll be 11.95 then, and I'll, I'll be happy to get those last 13 people in. You know, at <laughs> like Sincere and I were doing the math. We're like, man, if we get those 13 people in at 1,200, that's going to be a nice little payday for all of us. So, I mean, feel free to wait. Feel free to wait. Okay, so the rest of you, make sure you get on that. And without further ado... We have a great guest, good friend of ours, really cool guy. Both of us have been on his shows before, actually. Yes. And he's gonna he's coming on to talk about something different, though, because we we like to surprise you guys and provoke thought. You know, that's kind of the one common theme of our show is we always want to provoke thought. We want you to get think about stuff. And today we're talking about a really serious issue, and we're gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. Ted, how you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Really happy to be here. 
And you, your, your last name is Ricey, right? Isn't that how you pronounce it? Ted Rice. Ricey? It's, uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Yeah, yeah, Ricey. No. Yeah, Ricey. Uh, people ask that all the time. It's like, no, it's Rice. It's just spelled with a Y. I thought you were, yeah, I thought you were just trying to be hip. Take the I out, the Y in there. Ted yeah, Rice. set myself apart. You got to do that these days. Stay competitive, you know? Like my name is Ted Rice. Rice with a Y. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So, Ted, you're based out of Florida, right, brother? Yeah, actually, in Miami Beach, Florida. We just had WMC here. Yeah, buddy. We talked about that a little bit, Sincere. Yeah. For people who don't know, that's the Winter Music Conference, which is like this big, giant electronic music, big event, big conference. And Ted and I were just talking about our old days when we were a part of that scene. before. That was life before fitness, as I say, LBF. So, um, yeah, we were just kind of just talking about all those days, man, and pretty much also what pretty much led us to fitness. And it's I can I honestly say the Winter Music Conference is probably one of the biggest reasons why we're probably both in the fitness world now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, I may or may not have uh, gone to a couple parties and may or may not be attending next year. We'll see. But, you know, but it definitely uh, that lifestyle get, takes a toll on you. And oh, yeah. yeah, in small doses, it's not terrible. No, it's, it's cool. It's cool. So, yeah, man. So, yeah, Ted's like I said, he's based out of Miami Beach, which is probably, you know, not the worst place in the world to have a fitness business. And um, we've worked with some pretty high-profile clients in the past as well. I mean, right. you've actually worked with Iron Man. Correct? That's right, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I actually uh, single-legged him when he was – he was. this was a few years back, and he was, uh, sh- he was just starting the Wing Chun, and he was doing some things. I was like, man, you know, uh, you, w- you want me to show you some jiu-jitsu because it's, it's pretty badass in case you, you know, haven't seen the past 10 years of the UFC or – and he was like, no, he's fooling around. And I went and double, uh, not, I'm sorry, not double legged him. My ankle picked him <laughs> real quick. I was nice oh. about it. Just set him down. But, uh, yeah, it's he, a really cool guy and, uh, just so down to earth, you know, you would not think of him as like a big superstar. He's just like a cool, really cool dude. I trained his wife too. And, uh, yeah, they're good people. Cool, man. That's cool, man. That's really cool. It's good to hear stuff like that, you know, because a lot of times people have their negative stories, interactions with celebrities. And I got those too, Mike. Yeah, I do too. I do too. That's why I'm talking about myself when I say that. I've I've met. Yeah, they're, they're just like everyone else, though. You know, there's cool people, there's bad people in every group. So I've met some celebrities that are really cool people. I've met others that are total just pretentious jerk offs. And but you could say that about any population group. You know, so it's not like. uh, it's not like it's a higher percentage in that demographic than others. Yeah, I once told Fat Joe because he he's a resident down here. I don't know if he still lives down here, but you know I, I liked his older stuff and yeah. And uh, anyway, but we were talking. I, he was like explaining things to me. I'm like, man, well, you know, you don't want to have to change your name, do you? You know, he was talking about. I don't think that quite. So he didn't, he didn't end up training with me. So. Maybe that wasn't quite the thing to say, but he was actually a, a, a pretty cool guy. Yeah, he lost you know, a lot talk- of weight, man. I mean, the last time I saw him, I was like, okay, dude, yeah, I, I agree with you. He had to change his name. But, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those situations, you're like, you really want to think things through when you're creating a company. Like Pink, I mean, the last time she was Pink is when she did R&B back in the 90s. She's been blonde ever since. So 
what now? I mean, are, are you the fifth non-blonde? I mean, what, what the hell are you going to do now? I mean, there's nothing pink about her anymore. And then you got, I don't know, man. Let's see. You have this group called The Boys. What happens when you grow up? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, we're, we're the boys. Well, that, that's why really? boys, to, boys to Men was a clever name, right? Exactly. Because, because, because like, hey, we're, we're men now, so it's like, fine. If, I, if our careers last long enough, we will be men. Okay. So, so yeah. I, like just, I never thought about that. <laughs> really think it through. Think it through, yeah. people. <laughs> So, yeah, man, but what we're talking about today actually kind of transcends fitness. It's kind of going beyond that. And so you have a really interesting story, a very personal story, and it's based around a very controversial subject, and especially for me, because this subject is a big subject in the state that I live in, and I live in Texas. And once we start talking about this, people will understand why this is such a controversial subject, and it is very close to home, as, like I said, because I'm right here in Texas, which is when it comes to, comes to this topic, we lead the world, the nation, as far as, you know, those who are involved in this situation, man. So I guess um, guess we could just start by talking about, you know, pretty much your background and what led you to talking about this topic that we're going to talk about today. Well, yeah. Uh, well, like you said, it's a pretty, pretty heavy topic, but I think it's really important to deal with things head on. Because that's what I've done in my life, and then that's what I've done with this subject. And the subject we're talking about is the death penalty, and how it, how I'm involved with that is when I was 19 years old, my little brother, my nine-year-old brother, this was in 1995, he was dropped off at his bus stop, which was less than um, like literally down the street from where I lived, and. Mm -hmm. He was kidnapped by a man. A guy drove up in a pickup truck and pulled a gun out and threatened to shoot him if he didn't get in the truck with him. From there, he took him to an abandoned trailer very close, less than a mile away from where I live. He raped him repeatedly. He... Uh, psychologically tortured him is the best way of putting it. When my brother asked him, are you going to kill me? He would answer, what do you think? You know, so play games with him in that way. And after a few hours, when there was a helicopter hovering above that trailer, searching for my brother, he, my brother decided to make a run for it. Even nine years old, he had the courage to try to do something, even with everything that happened to him. And as he ran out the door, as he was starting to run out the door, Juan Carlos Chavez, that's the guy's name, shot him in the heart. And my brother fell to the ground and Chavez walked up to him to hear his last dying breath. And uh, after that, he took my brother and decapitated him, cut off his arms and cut off his legs and put them in flower pots and filled them with cement. And I'm telling you all this not because I read it somewhere. It's from his confession. And he confessed to all that. And uh, by the way, there was a three-month period where we were looking for Jimmy. And so it took three months for him to be caught. 
And during that time, we were searching everywhere, everywhere you could think. We were my, my parents ended up passing, getting officials, uh, public, uh, uh, politicians to pass a law that would allow missing children's uh, flyers in federal buildings because they weren't there then. So during this three months, we just we were looking everywhere for them. Couldn't find any hair, any any inkling as to what happened to him. He just disappeared. And then one day uh, in December, that happened in September. So this was several months later in December. He, I, well, I got a call late at night from an FBI agent, and he said, "Ted, we found your brother, and your parents need you now." And I was in, I was 19 years old. I was in the middle of sleeping. It was like three, four in the morning. I don't, I don't really remember. And I said, well, "Was he okay?" And he didn't really answer that question. He said your parents need you right now. You need to call them. And what I later found out what had happened, this guy, Juan Carlos, was working as a farmhand in uh, one of our neighbor's houses, right, on their property, and he lived in a trailer there. And she was missing some jewelry, and she was missing a gun. And she went into his trailer to see if she could find any of the stuff that was missing. She didn't find uh, the jewelry she was looking for, but she found my brother's book bag with all his school stuff in it, but also with one of the missing children posters that we had been posting everywhere. She immediately called the police. They took him. They interrogated him. And he eventually confessed to what he did, which was everything that I told you. And that's how we know all the details of what had happened. Then he led them to the flower pots full of my brother's remains with the concrete. The trial happened, I guess, a year later. And he was unanimously sentenced to death. That means every juror who was on that trial said, put this guy to death. This piece of shit needs to go. Right. It wasn't, there was no, Oh, well, you know, maybe the evidence isn't clear. And, uh, and, and that's a really important point that we can talk about later because, uh, that's something that comes up. So anyway, long story short, February 12th of this year, just a few months ago, he was executed in Stark, Florida by lethal injection. And my father and I, who are the only remaining members of my immediate family, my, uh, my, my stepmother died, when, uh, died a few years ago of a heart attack, and my sister uh, took her own life about two years ago. And uh, we watched it. We had a front row seat. We sat there the entire time and watched him be put to death. So... That's the story, and uh, it made news, and my parents have changed laws, and it's, it's pretty controversial, but that, that, that was the story in a nutshell. Wow, man. 
yeah, that, yeah. Our, our name, you, know, you don't even know what to say when you hear a story like that. But the only thing, the, one of the things that comes to mind is how do you how do you even move past something like that? You know, what's the process of healing, if any, to because you have to. I mean, that that's a very hard thing to live with each day. I mean, I'm just thinking if I lost my brother like that, that that would be a, a, something I would think about all the time. So I can't imagine that you don't think about this every day. And and how how did the healing take place? You, <laughs> you know, know after, after this whole thing. Yeah, that's something that people talk a lot about because it's very hard to understand if you've never been through a Absolutely. situation. Right. And it's not the same as losing a, a parent to cancer or my right. mom who died right. in a car accident when I was 14 uh, or losing my sister. It's, it is something that sent me down a really dark road that at the time when I was 19, I really didn't know what to think about the world, it changed everything for me about right. who I was, about what I thought about the world. And I was lost for a lot of years. Well, actually just for a couple. And you know what? Fitness saved my life. Like uh, we were talking about earlier, Sincere. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, that really got me into doing things that affected my physiology in a positive way, much like what you talk about, Mike, with the yeah. hormone optimization. I mean, I'm not a depressed person. Now, right. I can't say I'm not angry, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not a depressed person. And I don't think about my brother a lot. I think part of what you people need to do is to push past that, to <clears throat> find a purpose in their life. Right. And that and start to detach from what happened. And I cry sometimes and I remember uh, my, my family members. I remember my brother. I think about what happened. And I don't run from those feelings. You hear these guys sometimes say, oh, 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 real men don't cry. It's like whoever said that needs to, to be bitch slapped. You know, it's, <laughs> right, it's such yeah, a right. bullshit thing to say. I cry when I need to, but right. I also pushed past that and found a purpose. And my purpose is to help people. And if I can help people get past whatever it is that they're going through, then that has helped me heal. Right. And also maintaining that detachment and having that purpose really allows you to do that because I'm thinking about the bigger picture. I'm not thinking about my own story because you know what? what someone said this to me. They were like, oh, do you ever think about why you, you know, why did it happen to you? I'm like, you know what? Look throughout history about all the horrible things that have happened Forget right. about history. Look at right now all the yeah. horrible shit that's happening around the <sighs> world. And I'm not trying to take away from what happened to my brother or what I've been through or my family has been through. But just know that you're not alone. We're not alone. I'm right. not alone. Right. There's people suffering all the time. Yeah. And uh, that that's part of it. Really putting things in perspective <clears throat> and understanding what goes on in the world. I mean, we're very very fortunate. Mike, you've talked this, I, I've heard you talk about this a lot when you've traveled around and really seen some of the suffering and right. poverty in the world. And, uh, it, keeping things in perspective like that is huge. Yeah. It comes down to, yeah, there's a lot of bad shit going on in the world, but what it comes down to is how do you see it? And how do yep. you see yourself in it? Are you going to become a victim to all the bad shit that's going? It's always going to happen. There, are, yep. violence has been around since the beginning of time. 
hell, depends whatever your spiritual path is. Just about every story and all those different spiritual paths start off with violence. And that's the reason why a lot of those religions and spiritual cultures were created, which offset that, that, that violence. So it's always been there. So the thing is, do you become, do you succumb to it? Do you let it win by being fearful of it all the freaking time? Because, I mean, or do you just keep pushing through it? I mean, hell, just our utter existence as human beings started from violence. If you just look at how we came from just being a molecule, you know, that was some shaky stuff going on for an atom and everything to split itself and keep reproducing, reproducing. Hell, everything we come from is from friction, some type of violence. You know, it's not as extreme as what we're talking about now, but everything comes from this disruption or whatever. It's all about how, how do you evolve from that? Or do you just give up and let it win? You know, and I think um, going back to when you said that, you know, you hear that phrase, real men don't cry. Uh, one of the reasons why I feel like that's a, such a BS point of view. Most of the people who tell you that what they do is that they suppress any right. type of emotions yep. that they have. Right. And then they end up being these people who end up having the worst reactions to everything. And usually these are the people who end up causing more pain to other people as well as themselves because they're suppressing that instead of just getting it out. Right. And so whenever one, when anyone tells me that a real man doesn't cry, I know he's a weak little boy who needs, yep. to, be, who needs to be rescued. And he's the last person in the world that I see as a man because right. he's holding it all. I've never told my sons that. That, you know, you better not cry, boy. You know, stop being a sissy. No, my <laughs> thing is holding it all in. You're being a sissy because you can't man up and face your emotions. That's, that's a great being point a sissy right there. So, yeah. you know, I, that, it just bothers me to even say that. I mean, to even hear that. So, yeah, man. And like I said, and being a parent, just like hearing this story, like you don't know what you do. A lot of people we've heard so many people say, I don't believe in the death penalty. And, you know, I don't believe in that. You know, how are you going to how's that justice when you take one life or taking a life? You know, a lot of times these people are not in these situations that you're speaking about. You know, right. they're exactly. really kind of just sharing their point of view without anything to really back it up. It's just a point right. of view. And they need to understand that it does not make them right or make them wrong. It's just their point of view. And you ask me, Hey, should, should that be the death penalty? In, in my opinion, certain situations, certain situations, how I feel about that. You know, well, I think it, I think there should be too, and I think on honestly, in in Ted in this particular situation with your brother, I don't, I don't I don't think that was enough. Honestly, yeah, exactly. I and think I, it was and too I'm, quick. And I'm, and yeah, I'm curious if you felt that way. Did you feel any kind of vindication or closure when you and your father, you know, witnessed this guy getting the lethal injection? Yeah, uh, that's a great point, and we can talk about. I'd love to, in fact, talk about some of the points you came up, justice versus revenge, because that's something that we were pushing. Because we believed in justice, uh, not revenge. And we can talk about the difference because I don't think people really think about it in the way that my dad and I think about it. And we can talk about the death penalty as a deterrent. We can talk about some other things. But as far as closure uh, and watching him die, uh, yeah, I sat there in the front row just in a very cramped room with about, I think, 30 other people, most of them, uh, well, of all, all types of different people. Uh, some of them were with us. Some of them were people who worked on the case. Some of them were the media who were having that opportunity, I guess, to put it, uh, uh, to witness that execution. So I sat there. I watched him die. It took about 17 minutes. And let me tell you something. The three of us here, actually everyone listening, if you get to die that peacefully as that man did, hmm. uh, you're going to be very lucky because he went to sleep 
there was a couple weird moments where his feet were kind of moving around. But the point is, my father and I wanted him to die. We wanted him to not be on the earth anymore. We wanted him not to be locked up in prison. We wanted him not around anymore. We wanted him dead. And there was, I don't, I don't like that word closure very much. Yeah. And, uh, but did it help sort of, there was some, there was a feeling that things were left undone. Like something just isn't right. You know, this horrible thing happened and he's still alive. He's being separated from other inmates because, and that's one thing we can get into as well. Cause a lot of people talk about, Oh, well the death penalty is costing, you know, oh, costing just, me my hard earned yeah, I was just about dollars. to bring that up, but yeah, but keeping him in prison costs you your hard earned tax dollars as well, because <laughs> yeah, that's a different is, system in itself. It's like, gosh. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from, they have to separate guys like him from the inmates because even though yeah. though it's a maximum security prison and there's a lot of violent dudes in there they oh, but, look but they got yeah. rules man when it yeah. comes to children and women and rape oh yep. man that's a that's a different they have their own of... they have their own justice system in the prison system right there. absolutely it's like some people like i don't care what crime you could you could have been a mass murderer <laughs> went into a walmart and just blasted up like 20 30 adults Right. But if you're a dude and you molested a child or raped a child, you're the worst crim. They see you as the worst criminal in the prison system. You know, they'll so take crazy. you out. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, nah, man. It's just like they have these certain rules. It's, it yeah. seems that that would have been that that would have been just desserts, though, to an extent, in the sense that if he were in general population and any of that kind of stuff yeah. happened to him, that would have been, you know, what I would that would have been something good. You know, yeah, but I'll be honest here, given the, what he did, right? So that it, that's just. My my perspective is that. Hello. Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> Skype tends to do that to Mike, <laughs> so <laughs> whenever he gets ready to go into something really really deep, Skype goes, "Uh, no." <laughs> and plus, he uses a Mac, so you don't forget that Skype is owned by Microsoft. <laughs> oh, really? Because I'm so, on a Mac too. Yeah. Maybe so maybe your that's... time is coming, buddy. <laughs> it's just yeah. a matter of time. <laughs> but um, yeah. Another thing, man. When it that whole thing about closure. Honestly, the only real closure to me is the day that you stop breathing. Because at the end of the day, if you're any type of human being, there's never really any closure. It does, it's not like the memory goes away unless you have amnesia or something like that. So there's really not any closure to say. Right. No matter what anyone says. Like, okay, now I have closure. Even like with a bad, <laughs> bad breakup or something like that. Like, trust me, there's still you're still bringing some baggage along to the next relationship because you're yep. going to be a little gunshot by certain things. Or you're going to be very... Right. Uh, very, you're going to be very aware of certain behaviors from the next person or you're going to be looking out for certain behaviors so you don't repeat the same mistake. Well, guess what? Honestly, that means you don't have closure because now you're right. very aware. So I think closure is always misconstrued and taken the wrong way when people say that. No one ever really has closure, like I said, unless they have amnesia or they're dead. You know, that's right. the only way. Right. There's no you such move, thing as closure. You can't. Yeah, you move on. And just, right, to, right. just to answer that question that Mike yeah. said, uh, you know, about the justice and the inmates. I wanted to watch him die. I wanted to be there. Only two ways would have made me happy. Me being locked in a room with him for about 20, 30 minutes right. or watching it or, or being a part of what happened. Right. You know, personally, I would have rather had the electric chair, but, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. And I'll tell you what, the guy who the, the victims services guy, Gil, was a really cool dude and, and explained to us the whole process. Like it's not going to be a big dramatization and 
and a lot of suffering. We're going to watch where it's going to be kept professional. And we were okay with that. Right. Right. Sounds like you just wanted this guy eradicated from the face of the planet. Yeah. That that's right. what you needed. That's what you and your father needed to see. It's yeah. Like, I wanted to take, you don't want to be in a world where this guy exists. Period. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to take all hope away from him of ever getting out because I'll tell you what, a lot of the people that oppose the death penalty also oppose life imprisonment. And I think it's like, guys, listen, look, I understand like you have compassion for other human beings and that's cool. And that's a good thing, but you have to draw the line in the sand at one point and don't never let people pass that. And I think (laughs) at least I'd all like to think that we can agree that someone who kidnaps rapes and murders a child. I mean, what, even if you could rehabilitate that person, what are they, what are they going to do? Oh, you know, Bob, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, back in the day he, he, he raped and murdered a kid, but you know, he, he was rehabilitated. No, get him, put him down. Yeah. There's something to be said about forgiveness. You know, it's just, there's no one way to forgive, you know, like the thing is, it's really hard to forgive someone when you, you're constantly reminded they're walking around. They're they're sitting there. First of all, they're having three hot three hot meals and a cot to sleep on every day that you're paying for. So it's almost yeah. like you're supporting what they did. It's almost like you're right. investing into the crime that they committed by paying your taxes. And the thing is, and you pretty much don't have a choice because you have to pay your taxes. Otherwise, you end up in prison with these fools. So yep. you have to pay your taxes. So therefore, you have to support what they've done. So why not go ahead? I mean. Most of the time, like, okay, someone's going to say, well, what if he, like you said, what if he gets rehabilitated and he, he turns around a corner or whatever, but not necessarily saying that, let's just say give him life and he rehabilitates. Again, I'm still actively, retroactively supporting the crimes that he committed. And I, I'm kind of like this, I kind of like the old school way of doing things like they did in the Middle East. Like you steal something, they chop off your hand. You rape somebody, they cut off your penis. You know, so yeah, if that's the case, okay. Cool. But my thing is, and some people may think that's very brutal or some beast way of thinking or whatever. But again, we're, we're animals at the end of the day when it comes down to it. And just like Mike said in his book, at the end of the day, we're all capable of being evil, whether we want to admit it or not. I think the people that don't want to admit that are the ones that end up suppressing it and end up some way, somehow hurting someone else or hurting themselves, whether it be mentally, emotionally or physically. And you always have to wonder in these situations, even with this guy, I don't know exactly. I'm going to ask you this, you know, like what, what, you know, was it something like, of course, obviously it's something mental, but did they ever get down to, you know, the history of this guy, like his childhood upbringing or anything like that, as far as um, any kind of mental health disorders as, as a reason for him doing this, such a heinous crime. Yeah, I'll tell you what I know and I'll tell you what I believe. What I know is that he said something about being molested when he was younger mm-hmm. and him being led to, you know, that maybe uh, uh, led to him doing what he did. Now, obviously, that person didn't kill him because he wouldn't right. be around. But uh, that, that, what, just to interject, that just sure. when, when it, because I hear that argument all the time. Right? right. It's like, well, it's like, you know, I was molested as a kid. That's why I did it. That doesn't make any not, not that I'm saying that you're supporting this, Ted, but just just that, that line of thinking. It doesn't make sense to me at all that someone who's been through something like that would want to do it to someone else. 
See, right. that, that's the part to me where, like, if you had been molested as a kid, you would think, man, I would never want someone to feel this way. Exactly. I, I, I would think you would run in the opposite direction. And, and, you and become having, an advocate for ju- trying to bring have, people to justice yeah, and do having, such things instead of becoming exactly. a part of the problem. And no, having been through some stuff like that myself as a kid, you know, you, you and I went through my period of self-hate and all this other crap I won't get into now because I don't want to distract this conversation. But eventually you get to a point of, of just full compassion where you want to help other people, beings, et cetera. To me, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the logical step. You know, if I, if, I ever, if I ever even wanted to harm a kid, I'd go jump off a cliff myself, do the world a favor. Because I think people like that are – forget about rehabilitating people like that. You, know, you molest a kid, forget it, man. What, what, what are we supposed to do with you? You know, I mean, yeah, right. it's like you rape some kid. It's like, well, you know, let, let's figure out why you did that and then we'll rehab you and then you'll be a productive member of society. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because whatever led you to make that decision, I don't care what you've been through. You know, whatever that doesn't justify any of that stuff, you know, period, not at all. Yeah, so when, when someone has that in their mind that they think that's acceptable to do, do us all a favor, man, and just go run yourself off a cliff. Right. And, and getting back to compassion, that's another thing. When people bring up having compassion, my thing is, and yeah, you want to say that, okay, I'm compassionate. I don't, you know, support the death penalty. But my thing is, do you have compassion for the next victim? Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, do you have compassion for the people? When, if this person gets out, trust me, sometimes our criminal justice system is a little twisted. And somehow the, such vermin as this guy can find a way to get back out on the street. You get the if you have the right amount of money and the the best lawyer, you can get out on the street. Hell, look at OJ. Okay, case in yeah. point. <laughs> you know, yep. even though he's still, even though I don't care, you can get all the best lawyers in the world. You can't do something about being an idiot. <laughs> so that's the only thing that, that caught up with OJ and arrogant at the same time. Or you, or you have some lawyer who finds yeah. some little loophole and exactly. they find something like, oh well, you didn't do this with the case. So exactly. that's we're gonna we're gonna or, have to throw this one out. You know, exactly. That kind of so yeah, they can always somehow if they have the right amount of money, they can get the they can buy their way out of this and they're back on the streets. And what happens with a lot of a lot of times with these guys and ladies, the, they, the fact is they got away with it. So there comes this this arrogance. There's already this mental disorder. When they committed the crime, a lot of times they probably already thought, okay, either I'm gonna get away with this, no one's ever gonna catch me. Like this guy, he's, you know, he took your brother and put parts in like the flower pots. Or at the same time, they're kind of crying. They want to be caught. They want to be punished. So and Mike and I were just talking about this uh, on a couple of shows. A couple of shows ago about how people don't deserve, they feel like they don't deserve any kind of chance. Anything. I'm not trying to like really, you know, try to soften who this guy was or anything like that. But there's some people just because he brought up the whole part about being molested. There are some people that feel like they they deserve that. And then they're constantly punishing themselves. So they end up doing heinous crimes or doing things that really harm who they are in order to punish themselves because they felt like they deserve nothing less than that. And what ends up happening, someone else gets hurt in the, in the process. But what I'm trying to say here, no, let's, let's have compassion for the rest of the human race out there that's walking around to not have to deal with scum like this. And some people are not, they're never going to choose to be rehabilitated. Now, you can say we can impose that. We need to rehabilitate them. The only way someone's going to be rehabilitated, they have to want to be rehabilitated. And I think that's what we're missing with all the talk about rehabilitation of criminals or anyone or addicts or anyone like that. At the end of the day, it's their damn choice. It's not your choice. And you're a fool to believe that you can fix these people. They have to want to be repaired. And when they don't want to be repaired, then what do you do? 
take another chance on them hurting someone else. If a guy like this wanted to be rehabilitated, he would have taken measures long before he even Thank thought about exactly. doing something like this. You know, this was a grown man here, so he this was all premeditated. Yeah, you know, yeah he, he was about twenty eight years old, yeah, old yeah, enough yeah, exactly. to yeah, exactly, exactly. So he was old enough to realize that he's got some serious dark energy in his mind and he should go do something about that exactly. and, before it ends up hurting someone else, which unfortunately is what happened here. Yeah. And you, you know, it's really interesting. He had the opportunity to write a note. Uh, he had the opportunity to say something verbally, a last statement before his death. Mm-hmm. And he prepared a statement and it, there was never any apologizing. <laughs> he never apologized and he also never denied doing it. Of course, he confessed to doing it, but he never even tried that out and also never apologized. And just to go back to what we were talking about before, what we know about sexual predators. And when I say sexual predator, I'm not talking about a 19 year old guy who had sex with a 16 year old girl. And now he's like on that horrible list because I totally don't agree with that. We need to really look at that. I'm talking about a guy who. Uh, uh, is it like 28 years old and get someone prepubescent you know, like my brother? I mean, there's something seriously wrong with these guys and they have shown, uh, I mean, I'm no expert on the statistics. I'm a fitness guy, but, uh, you know, my, we, we've looked into the evidence and these guys have what's called a very high rate of recidivism, which is they go back out and do the same thing. Right. And one of the, the, the problems, uh, was that, or one of the things that my parents did was they pushed through something called the Jimmy Rice Act, which when after these guys, quote unquote, pay their dues to society, they get put in a mental institution and kept there until they're, the people running it are sure they're not going to do it again. And I'll tell you in part why that happened. Some people called my parents and asked, like, we have this guy. He's done paying, you know, done his time in, in prison. And he says, he's going to do this again. And we have to let him out because that's the way the law is set up. Right. We have to let him out. And my parents went and did something about it and pushed through that law. And we're not, we're, we're talking about a very specific set of people, right? These sexual predators. I'm not defending anybody else. Like the guys who went into the movie theater and the school and shot people up. Like I, I, I'm not an expert on that and I'm not an expert on the death penalty either, but I can tell you a lot about these particular guys because my parents and I, we have a, uh, my family and I, we have an organization called the Jimmy Rice Center, which we donate bloodhounds to law enforcement for free. We don't take any money from this organization. All the money donated goes to the blood, donating the bloodhounds into running the website. So, um, so anyway, And we also raise awareness about sexual predators and these guys do it again and they can't stop themselves there. And some, some of them almost seem proud of it. And, uh, you know, there, there's a few in the news right now that are, they're about to let one child killer out in, uh, I think it's Michigan. I can give you guys the, uh, uh, the link to it if you're interested, but you know, it's, these guys are really, really sick. And, you got to ask yourself, number one, is it worth rehabilitating them, first of all, or just getting rid of them? Two, I know that sounds harsh, but that's what we have to look at. Two, uh, is that w- 
you better make sure whoever's rehabilitating them, you get a hundred percent success rate. Cause I don't give a shit. If one person goes out and recommits a crime or, or does the same type of crime to a kid, you fucked up big time. You know, there should be a hundred percent or zero, you know, figure out what to do with them. But as far as that rehabilitation is concerned, because some people came out and talked about that. They're like, well, we, we find I, I, there was an NPR segment that went over my statement because I called everybody weak for not wanting to put him to death because we had there is a two hour stay of execution, meaning we weren't even sure if it was going to go through right. for two hours. We were just sitting there shooting the shit with all the people and we made some nice friends. But man, that waiting was killer. I didn't know if I come all that way all this time and came all that way just to go back home. And, uh, yeah. it, it didn't thank God, but, uh, uh, what so was anyway, Ted real quick when you, when you say there are other people in the room or these other people who had victims as well has had this guy done this kind of thing to anyone else before your brother. Actually, there's no records of him doing that. Okay. And he was, a, uh, originally from Cuba, which, you know, that's neither here nor there because, uh, right. it, you know, one of the Cuban, we, I live in Miami, a lot of Cuban people down here. They're like, Oh, we're so sorry. He's Cuban. It's like, well, well listen, I don't apologize for Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy. Okay. Right. You know, it's some right. piece of shits, piece of shit. People come of all different, uh, ethnicities, you know? So, so there shouldn't, you know, it's, it's individual to them, not because yeah, of a, yeah, it drives me, total, total yeah, non-issue. That, that drives me crazy. People's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, well, hell did you, did you help him? And were you there with yep. him? Like, why are you apologizing? Like, just, I have people like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about slavery. I'm like, well, hell did you, do you own a slave now? <laughs> I'm like, if you have one trapped in your basement, then yeah, you, you know, fix it. But otherwise don't apologize for someone else's crimes when it has nothing to do with you. Just because the DC sniper and I same, share the same skin color here doesn't mean that I want to go out on a freeway and start picking people and get my little assistant with me and start picking people off, you know, or anything like that. It has nothing to do with me. We're not even coming from the same gene pool here. So it's not even, so I'm not <laughs> yeah. even worried about the guy. So don't sit there and like, oh man, you know, look what your folks did. No, it's not my folks. I've never seen this dude at a family reunion at, at any time in my life. I'm not related to that guy. So I'm not going to apologize for that guy. He's just scum. And that's a, that's a totally different culture that I'm not privy to. I'm not a part of that culture, so go find some other scum and ask them for an apology. Yeah, okay, so absolutely. Yeah, it's more about the character of the person. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Like I said, we all we all have it in us. Like I was mentioning earlier, we all we have that that yin and yang going on with us, good and evil. Everything we do, every choice we make, either goes that side or the other. But then there's always that gray area where you're just standing there and you're trying to make that decision, and you, you got to pick a side. You know, you know, am I going to do this? And what's going to be the, what's, what are going to be the effects of this decision that I make and who's going to be affected and going beyond that? And again, it just comes down to what we talk about a lot here is just being in that moment. And some people don't do that. They don't care. Well, they, I mean, there's, all, there's all kinds of evil too, exactly. like company, company evils, right? Like such as a car company that decides, well, we, we just put 10,000 cars out there and there's a good chance 30, 40 people are going to die. But let's just let's. Let, let's calculate what the what the what how much we would lose if they sue versus how much profit we make, and if the profit is higher, then let's just put it out there, right? That, that that's a form of evil too. Exactly, it's a very conscious form of or evil. Yeah. That's that's affecting a lot of people out there on a daily basis. Hell, I mean, right. the foods we're eating and the water we're drinking—that's a form of evil. But you voted for it. 
You're voting for it every four years, every two years. You're voting for that evil. Every time you vote, you're voting for that evil. Every time so, you well, buy a product. Every time you buy a product, for you're, voting yep. for, you're voting for that evil right there. Well, the, the, the know, thing is, is that our, our society is kind of set up to make people stupid. And well, what I mean by well, that is yeah. let's distract people with nonsense. Reality TV, entertainment, magazines, celebrity news. You know, this is old nonsense that, that, has, that shouldn't even be in your psyche. Yet it's hard not to know what's going on in the celebrity world, even if you don't have a TV, because it's always out there. You're at the grocery store in the newsstand and you see the magazine. You know, I mean, it's it's basically impossible to avoid all of that. Now, now all of this is is basically done so that the masses are dumb, and we don't really know what's going on, nor do we care because it's we're we're distracted by things that that are and, useless that are occupying our time. Yeah, and even when those distractions are finally becoming out in the forefront, then <laughs> there are powers much bigger than you that throw a distraction out there to make you feel like, okay, if I bring it up. Oh, man, there you go. Tinfoil hat, guys. There you go with the conspiracy theories. You know, there's just so it's you, you got to give it up to them. Like, well, God, people are very so uncomfortable with this so kind good. of topic. Oh, yeah, because everybody's in a utopian world where it's like, nah, exactly. come on. Who what human would purposely want to hurt someone like that? Well, hell, look, listen to the story we're talking about right now. Let's right. look at the story of Ted and his family. You know, you got to ask yourself. What individual really just set out and planned like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this to this little kid and I'm going to do this, this and this. Well, you know, the kind of person that does that, the person that decides to do something evil and they're not thinking about anything else. And like I said, there's that little bit of arrogance. And there's also that, that, that little bit of there's that bit of self-hatred that goes on. All that stuff fuels this type of behavior. OK, all that self-hatred, that arrogance. All of that fear, all of that fuels this type of behavior. So it makes you have to really check yourself. Yeah, you may in your mind say, I would never do something as heinous as what this guy did to Ted's little brother. But who knows? You may be doing something. It's just a, it's all about perspective. You may be someone that's passive aggressive and you say little things under your breath to try to undermine the, some, the person that really cares about you. Those little things like that, you're destroying another soul slowly but surely. And you're probably thinking like, huh, well, you know, it's not like I, I say it in their face. I just kind of say it under my breath, blah, blah, blah. All these different things are just different forms of the same thing. Like I said, it's just some are just more graphic than others. Or like I like to say, same shit, different toilet. Okay, that's all it is. Well, I mean, so, a, lot, a lot, a lot of evil happens because I mean, one situational forces, uh, group pressure, and that's how this right. whole thing in Rwanda and Bosnia, I mean, Rwanda rather happened. Bosnia was another genocide, but but yeah. Rwanda during the Clinton administration, that was eight hundred thousand people butchered in ninety days. You know, it was a huge genocide. That's it like killing America. Three, that's like taking almost three times the population of the United States and killing it. Okay, I don't think that's what you need to put in perspective. So. It's about well, 800,000, where we have 400 million people oh, yeah, in the U.S. Not quite that much. I was thinking about 800 million. Sorry, I was about to let that one slide so people would <laughs> no, no, no. email you. No, no, no. Not, not 800 yeah. million, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. but 800,000 in, in 90 days. But I mean, what's... But in 90 days, I mean, well, hell, if it kept going, yeah, yeah, exactly. we would have hit that number. You know? No, where I'm going with this story is that these were people, the Hutsus and Tutsis, that were living peacefully, different right. tribes that were living peacefully, and then all of a sudden, these situational forces came up where let's look for someone to blame for our suffering and then it just spiraled slowly from there until it led to a mass genocide and this is where neighbors were turning on each other women were killing babies it wasn't a bunch of men that were going out there and doing all of it a lot of women were doing this stuff too they were killing kids 
men were raping women, men men were brutal torturing other men. Even even this 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 happened not that long ago, no, it and it started. Yeah, and there was no sign that something like that would ever happen. It's not like these people had a lot of hostility, hostility, hostility. We're like, wow, let's keep an eye on that place. Looks like it's about to break at any point. No, it happened gradually and systematically, and then it just spiraled and. It's not that difficult for a situation like that to happen anywhere in the world. That's the part that people need to be aware of. Is even that right kind here? Of, yeah, exactly. Even right here. Even as right here. As arrogant as we are as Americans, it can happen right here. And if you're not careful, it will. Little things like this, like these situations that we're talking about on the show, and the thing that happened with Ted's brother. Look, man, that's just very small scale things that can happen. Again, especially when, again, you got the mob going on, a whole mob of people going. It's like, well, damn, what do you do? It's like you think to yourself, you got a mass of people saying, we're going to do this to these people, and you're the one trying to stand alone. Then you, in your mind, you got to think like, well, if I actually do what's right and stand, stand my ground here and, and think for myself, I could die. I don't want to die. Okay, well, I'll just go with them. I won't actually kill anyone, but I'll just go with the mob so I can just think that I'm with them. You know, these are the things that start processing through your mind. It's one of the reasons, like, when Mike and I talk about that show, Revolution. You know, we always, it makes you have to question those things. Like, okay, whose side are you going to choose when things come down to it? And we talked about that with um, Roger Cross, you know, with right. Continuum and, and with Arrow. You know, you start thinking, things like, okay, what choices am I going to make? Are they going to be the right choices? Am I making the best choices for me? What am I going to do? And that's the thing. Every day, every day, every choice you make is going to have some type of effect on a larger scale. It's like it's the ripple effect big time. So it's all about being in the moment and actually, like, taking the responsibility of your choices. And the thing is, and, and asking yourself, like, okay, how is this going to affect someone? How is this going to – it's got it's going to go beyond you. That's the first thing you got to realize. I think, I think one thing that's important, for, like, there's two points. I mean, one, one thing that's interesting about the whole Rwanda situation is that, that the whole thing ended because everyone got a pass at the end of the day. And what I mean by that is eventually people were brought to court, people were put on trial. But at the end of the right. day, they decided that they had to give everyone a pass who did anything on either side because otherwise it would have just going. kept on going on. Right. It's like I'm going to get revenge for what you did to my mom, and then, okay, now that you've killed her, I'm going to get revenge for this. And it would have just kept going back and forth. And they were able to move on past that, which is the crazy thing. So everyone basically got a, a pass where it's like, all right, everything that happened during that period, we're going to let it go, and we're just going to move forward as a population. And they were able to do it. So that that's very crazy. That's probably the craziest part of that whole story, honestly, is right. that I mean, it's, I don't know if it's as crazy. I mean, obviously, the 800,000 people being killed is the worst part of the story. But that's, it's, it's hard to believe that they were able to do that. But when you think about it, that's the only way that they could move forward. There's right. no other way they could move forward other than that, because there was too many people that were involved. You know, it wasn't like five people that were involved and you just lock them up and say, OK, let's we're done. Let's move on. It was, it was a large percentage of the population that was involved. So when it happens yeah. on such a massive scale, the only way for it to move forward is that. Yeah, I, I can't relate to that particular story and, you know, as horrible as it is, but sure. you do have to move forward. It doesn't move. matter. What it comes down to is, you know, the Jews that went, uh, had to deal with the, the Nazis and all the horrible things that they uh, did, right. Right. had to endure. They had to move on. You have to move on. Right. Whether that's... Right. It doesn't matter what you've been through, but you have to move on. So that's I, right. I didn't know the end of that story, and that's good uh, to hear that it did uh, move forward. Where the people were able to move forward past that. But just to get back to your point about the the media, I read uh, in a study that, or, or there were a few studies that showed that up to seventeen to one messages negative to positive, and that's why it's so important 
what you guys are doing with your show, with uh, what I'm doing with my show, what's called the new media, because instead of trying to feed people this crap, this negativity showing, you know, how many murders and car accidents and other bullshit happen in the, the, the media, we're trying to educate people, provoke thought and try to inspire them to do something, well, yeah, you know, the great, to take uh, action. Yeah, the great right. thing is we're not in, in anyone's pocket. So therefore, we can tell the truth because no one no one's <laughs> right. by, no one's paid for our truth here. And that's the thing about the media. It's all sponsored bullshit. And that's the thing about it. It's like you start yeah. telling the truth. You start telling the truth. You don't have sponsors, which means in your mind, you think that you can't stay on the air. Well, F the air. No one's watching TV anymore anyway. So just go ahead and get on the Internet. Well, so, the only and, people we have to answer to are NewWarriorTraining.com and Mike Mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. We, we both just happen to know the, the guys who run those companies. Exactly. So. <laughs> and, and really quick, you know, I said something about the media. I, I also want to say that the media was very helpful to us in uh, and getting our story out there. So it's not all bad. And it's kind of hard to say that uh, whether people are just giving them what they want, whether the media is just giving people what they want because they're so clueless as to and so asleep that they're like oh i don't want to hear any good news uh, show me show me something bad so i can feel like i'm really alive in my dead end job or are yeah, you well. feel better are you feel better about your life right a lot of it's exactly. like oh look at all the suffering those people are having boy i feel better about my miserable life i yeah. thought I, I thought i was bad off until i saw that so there's yeah. a lot of that too yeah there's I mean, a lot of that and they were very helpful i want to reiterate that again they were very helpful with us getting our story out and in particular the local news stations really came to our uh, aid and really helped get our story out. They helped get our story out about the execution as well. And uh, in, in particular, a few reporters, they, they really understood where we were coming from and they presented our, our, uh, our family situation in, in a light that we felt, uh, you know, just, uh, they, they did a great job. So I also wanted to say that about the media. And really quick, what you said about uh, you know making choices and not knowing where to stand, uh, I think that's part of it. And Mike, you've talked about this a lot, the wussification of our culture. And I, I really think that people who oppose the death penalty are in that category because we're not talking about like what you said, Sincere, where you're like, well, in certain cases, and that's what we're talking about. I think people don't get it. Like you don't, you don't just kill somebody like, oh man, that guy, he really pissed me off. So I went, I went back to the bar and shot him because <laughs> right. he spilled a drink on my foot and, and he didn't say, excuse me. And <laughs> right. you don't get the death penalty for that. You have to do something really sadistic. Like I read about a guy who, uh, robbed, uh, this was in Florida, a guy who robbed, uh, he was working at a place and he came back to rob it. He beat the two women over the head with a hammer and then set them both on fire. Ugh. And this was a person who was executed fairly recently. And uh, one of the ladies died right away, but the other lady managed to make it and wow. long enough to identify him as the person who, uh, who was responsible for the crimes. And he, yeah, he got it. And man, you know, I, I couldn't think of uh, well, obviously the my, the thing with my brother. That guy really deserved it as well. But you know, it's these types of people. It's not it's not uh, drug related violence, you know, or, or just some 
random thing. It's it's like these very sadistic it's calculated. It's like you got to think about it. it's like, right. okay, dude, you could right. just easily just gone in and not that it's easy to do. But what I'm saying is if it was all about him going in and robbing, getting away with it, he could have just shot him and got it over with, killed him, gone, whatever. But when right. you sit there and you get a hammer, which means you're sitting there in that spot and you're constantly hitting someone over and over. There's there's some mental issues there that are probably irreparable. You know, right. you just can't fi- you can't fix that because that is just like they're thirsting and really feeding off of this perceived power they have over their victims. And that's what this comes down to. This is power. These people are feeling like they have power over these people. And when they're doing that and, and like it's just. I don't know, man. It's just me in the background. From what I study, like I'm just intrigued by this from a psychological standpoint. Just like what's really going on through their head. And again, it always comes down to like, where, right. what brought you here? What, what brought you here? And also, at what point did you say, I'm not going to take my responsibility as an adult and make a better choice? And, you know, I'm just going to do this and not just do that, but you're just going to, you're going to just take it beyond where, well, where I mean, what it a already lot of, is. A lot of people do it on a superficial level, right? Nowhere close to what we're talking about here, right. but on an everyday basis, a lot of times people, you have to ask yourself, what, what is the effect you're having on the people you interact with on a daily basis? Meaning right. that, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're just a jerk to people and you're ruining their days and you're just a total a-hole with everyone you interact with, you know, what, what, what are you contributing to our society because you're just pissing you're going out there and just making a lot of other people's days worse and then maybe another person does it and then it just starts spiraling right exactly. now the opposite the opposite of that is what if you go out there and you're just a cool person to everyone you see right your neighbors your, your every storefront you go to the bank you're just a, you're a guy where when you leave people feel better that you came that you were in there that even for those few seconds you know whatever it is yes. so i i think we need to think clearly about what is the effect we're having on other people when yeah. we interact with them by email or our show or when we're out there talking to people in public. And I'm not saying that we should all start censoring ourselves and be all you know, politically correct so we don't hurt people's feelings. I'm not saying anything yeah. stupid like that because obviously I'm not down with any of that crap. But just in terms of the intentions you have out there, I mean, exactly. you have good intentions because I go out with good intentions. I'm prepared for bad intentions if they occur. You know, Not me putting right. it out there, but other people to me. I'm ready for that, but I don't go out there expecting that necessarily. Or provoking those kind of situations. So I, exactly. I think people often they lose their temper at someone and they, and then they just walk away like it's not a big deal. And you don't know what the effect that's having on that person. And then another person does it, and another person does it, and then people snap. You know, often when we hear about people snapping, we think, "Wow, uh, but yeah, wasn't, that, yeah. wasn't that one thing that happened that? Yeah, what led that up to that? Snap. You know, what, exactly. what led up to that road rage? Like you know, <laughs> it's like a hundred things. Then that was like the final one that broke the <laughs> right. back, and then all the floodgates opened. So, yeah, yeah, so something I want to talk about, too, is what you mentioned, Sincere, about that guy beating those two women over the head and about power. Because something that really personally influenced me on some of my decision making and also my lo- looking at what happened to my brother and what my dad and I, my, my family have been through uh, and understanding it philosophically is a guy named Michael I don't know how to spell his last name, Giglory. He's a PhD in biological anthropology. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, he was also a soldier, and he has a book called The Dark Side of Man. And by the way, I think you guys should interview him because it's about violence. And what he says is he says that violence uh, for men is usually a way to solve a problem. It's mm-hmm. when other strategies haven't worked, and 
violence is just kind of like, well, you know, I could always knock him over the head with a hammer and light him on fire. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, you, you don't listen to what I have to say? All right, I'll just punch you in the face. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know, since you're not listening to reason here, you know, your right. perceived thought of reason. It may not be reasonable what you're saying. You know, that's just how you see it. And then he's like, you know what? I'm tired of talking to you. And you just pick up a pool stick and you clock him in the head. <laughs> and so it's, it, we've been doing this since cavemen. Absolutely. And something that's really important as well as, Mike, you said, when you're out there, you're ready. If you don't, you're, you put out good energy and that's one of the things that I really like about you and, and you sincere is you put out that good energy. You guys are really badass dudes, but you are helpful and you guys are humorous and you guys are trying to better people, but you're ready for action. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't get is you need to be ready because I'm the same type of person. I've been in martial arts for a long time and I go out there with the same intention. I like to raise people up. I like to give them compliments. I try to make everyone's day better uh, from from my clients to my friends to the people that I see uh, in, in the different buildings I go to, the security guards, valets, people at Whole Foods when I go food shopping. But we really need to understand that we as men in particular have to be ready for violence and to deal with it with violence. And that sounds kind of or Orwellian, like war is peace, but it really isn't. Uh, there's a great quote that uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure who said it, but uh, warriors choose to be pacifists. Mm. All others are condemned to it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right. And you don't right. want to be condemned to pacifism. Right. And I think it's especially important, you know, and another thing people say is that violence doesn't solve anything. And if you ever watch Bully Beatdown on MTV, you know that, <laughs> you know that it does solve some shit, especially with men. And you know what? Uh, a great example of uh, a, a place that doesn't have the death penalty is Mexico. And uh, they don't have the death penalty down there, but I'm sure you guys are aware of how many people have been decapitated. I live in and, Texas, and and exactly they're close. I mean, they're I mean the border <laughs> is only like seven hours away from me. But if you go to Laredo, and and, and Laredo is a split, so half of it is in Texas, the other half of the city is in Mexico, and there are people hanging from bridges all the time, and a lot of times it a lot of the the violence doesn't even make any sense or have anything really even to do with per se with the cartels or anything like that but it's to send a message like don't mess with us you know don't you don't want to come messing with us look what we did to this family we decapitated them we're hanging their bodies off a bridge so we're not to be screwed with so it's just this 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 mistake of thinking that this is how you earn respect by doing this by victimizing people and things like that and again just you know you hear the story the average person hears the story and things like well i'm nothing like that same you do the same thing when you just mentally like try to bring someone down in order to try to make yourself look more respectful and bigger than they are, or you try to let try to put them in their place so they respect you, you're no different than these cartels. It's just, they're just taking it That's on right. a totally different level. You're just like them when you think like that. And so, people do it all the time. They do it in relationships, which would make them exactly. very toxic, both sides, men and women. Exactly. I'm not saying men do it any more than women. Both sides do very manipulative techniques, which are very toxic and I mean, Phil, Phil Zambardo in The Lucifer Effect, you know, he, he really gets into how delusional people are with this because he says the people that you really need to worry about are people who don't think they're capable of ever doing evil. He's like, those are the people you need to worry about because right. when, you, when you accept some realities about if situational forces and influence and all these things are stacked 
against you, it's going to be very difficult for you to act against any of that unless you've consciously thought it through many times. What would you do if you were in this situation? Right. And he made the point saying that it's very important to think about all of these horrific situations and ask yourself, what would you do if you were in Rwanda and there's 100,000 other people that are killing people and they expect you to be part of it? Are you going to go with it? Are you going to go against it? Are you going to put yourself in harm's way and, and speak out and go against it? You know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I would never do that. And I would definitely speak out from the comfort of your living room. But you're not in that situation. Yep. And if, if, you, if you've never thought about what you would do in that situation, you don't even have a blueprint to go on. Because when, they, when the intensity level is that high, the only thing you're going to act on is instincts. Exactly. You're not going to sit there and be like, okay, let me think about what's going on here and what <laughs> I should time. do. Yeah, exactly. Just like in a fighting situation, if if you get into a combative situation and you don't have a skill set, you know, there's nothing to act upon. You're not going to know what to do in that situation <laughs> right. because you don't have anything to go on. So unless it's instinctual, like, okay, this guy's about to do this. I better do this. It, it, ha it has to be that instinctual. Otherwise, it's not going to be effective. You're going to be out and in a bad situation before you've even you have by the time you've thought about what you should do. It's already over. Yeah, it goes back and, to what, what Mike was saying earlier. You know, just you, you, you go out with the intention, you know, you, you, you know, you're prepared for anything. You're prepared for the violence or, or any kind of negativity or whatever because you think about that. So that comes down to the things that, that we've talked about before, Mike. It comes down to two situations. Right. You can either respond or react to a situation. And right. responding means that you have gone over in your head at least an inkling of, you know, okay, if this were to happen, then, you know, what would I do? At least you thought about it and you visualized it. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to think about that. I do. You know, if somebody asked me, like, like, do you have guns? Hell yeah, I'm a Texan. Hell yeah, I have guns. <laughs> somebody, somebody, that's, my, that's almost like your birthright. It's like you get, you get diaper, bottle, a, a rifle. Okay? <laughs> you get all those things. <laughs> okay? So, but my thing is, yes. Uh, do I have guns? Yeah. Do I know how to use them? Yeah. Do I want to use them? Hell no. Because let yep. me tell you, I mean, someone can sit there and say, yeah, I'll, I'll kill a dude in a minute for trying to come in and step. Look, yeah, if somebody try to come and do something to my family, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect them. I don't want to have to deal with that, though, because mentally that's right. going to fuck me up. Okay? Because trust me, that's not going to go away. There's not going to be any closure to that. You, people can say what they want, but when you pull that trigger, man, I don't care. If you're not someone with some type of mental illness, to do that, that is something that, that I, I mean, I hear from law enforcement professionals all the time. You know, and these guys do it on a, and ladies, they do it on a daily basis. But it's hard to come away from that, especially the first time you have right. to take a life. Right. Now, then eventually right. some become desensitized, which those are the ones to really be afraid of. Okay, when you become desensitized, where just no longer, you're no longer letting it affect you anymore. You just suppress it and keep going. In a lot of situations, you have to be that way. Like if you're in the military, again, if you're in law enforcement, you're first responder or something like that. But for a simple civilians out there, Honestly, dude, I don't ever want to be desensitized from the effects of violence. Right. Okay. I don't ever want to be that numb. That's the reason why I, I, I watch what, I, what I'm monitoring, what I'm watching on television and things like that. I don't want to get to the point where I'm seeing just so much gory stuff that can actually look real. I'm not talking about stuff that's over-the-top Hollywood madness where you're just like, dude, there's just no way that this one dude just walked in here and just <laughs> shot up. Come on. <laughs> Bruce Willis just went in and killed 50 people by himself. And he's 50, 60 years old. Yeah, that's believable. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that that doesn't affect me. But just other things where you're like, oh, wow. And that's another reason why I don't like watching the news because I don't want to because those are real life situations. Those things are happening. So when it gets to the point where that becomes normal and regular to you, that it doesn't shock you, it doesn't shake you just a little bit or make you actually have to think 
then that's when it becomes a problem. I don't ever want to get to a point where I don't have to think about it anymore. I'm just kind of passing off like, oh, well, there's another guy raping a little kid. Oh, there's, you know, there's another man that went in and killed his family, you know, and then committed suicide. Oh, it's just thinking like, okay, this made me think like, okay, what the hell's going on? What's happening with our mentality? Well, we, we, also, we also don't want to blow it out of proportion and think that's the whole world is like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. That, because then you'll be in fear all the freaking time. Right. That's <laughs> the other problem with news is that it makes you feel like, man, I better not even step out the front door. It's too dangerous out there. Right? Let me tell you, we've said it before. Fear sells. It is like the biggest commodity out there. It's not oil. It's not nope. gold. It's not coffee. The biggest commodity in the world that sells is fear. And you've got to ask yourself, how much am I investing into it, into that stock? You know, making decisions out of fear is always going to lead no, you down. Never good. Never yeah, good. Never. I don't like to use fear as a motivator to do anything. You know, you should be more proactive than that where you where you're taking charge of things before they become problematic. It's like, yeah, you know. and what you said about martial arts, it sounds like both of you guys have done your uh your done some martial arts training as well. I personally think that violence would be really low if uh more people were confident in defending themselves cuz mm-hmm. basically what happens is People, right. victims who get victimized are, were victims to begin with usually. Right. Right. And just to illustrate that point, there was a girl recently, a six year old girl. I forget where it was. I think it might've even been Florida where two guys tried to kidnap her and what they would do with her afterward. Only God knows what. Right. But what she did was she, <laughs> she actually told the, the, uh, the reporter, she's like, she kick punch run and that's that's what we teach kids in uh in the at the jimmy rice center the jimmy rice center when we uh talk about that it's like you have to be proactive and you have to use aggression and violence because people it seems like predator these predators like to victimize people and if you're fighting back and this probably goes with women too who are in danger of being raped or guys who like to pick on other guys for, for bullying if you look like you're going to fight back and you're going to and you're going to hurt the other person, they usually don't want any of it. Right. So that's right. And that's the reason why so many properly prepared yeah. is just so important. Yeah, especially when you just turn around, you look them right square in their freaking eye. A lot of times, especially like with women, and I see that a lot with women's self-defense classes, when you face that victim like that dude, I mean, now he can be identified. So the thing is, when you look at him, you better make sure that you let him know like, okay, you're not going to be a victim and you're going to do whatever it takes to survive this situation. A lot of times these guys, these predators, they're not prepared for that. That's the reason why a lot of them like to sneak up behind and, and take their victims. Because yep. they don't want to have to face them. They don't want them to – they want that element of surprise. They don't want them to have a chance to get away or to actually defend themselves. And that's the thing. But my thing is if you're going to look them square in the eye, make sure you're prepared to do whatever it takes. And guess what? There are no rules. The only rule yep. is to get away right. and live another day. There are no rules. Yep. I, I get sick of this. Like there's a difference between what you do in, on a mat or in an octagon compared to what you do in life. Look, dude, if you're, if you're threatening my life, I have to, I have to return to favor. And I'm and I'm going to go into full crazy. I have to. I have to dig into full crazy. I have to surprise myself how crazy I'm going to have to be because I need to live. OK, my thing is, I actually want to be around for my family. I'm So at that moment, I'm about to be the most selfish son of a bitch in this confrontation. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that I get away, which to me means I win. OK, at the end of the day. So you have your heart right, man. It's not whoever you are. It's, you know, make sure if, whatever you do, it needs to be swift. 
because if I have a chance, I, I promise I'm trying to take some part of you with me when it's over with because I have to win in that situation. I have to. And somebody's like, oh, it's all about winning. No, it's all about me living, and that's winning for me. You know, right. trying to reduce as much trauma and psychological you know, disturbances to my family as possible. That's what I'm considering here. And to me, that's a win when they can live a stable life. In other words, like, oh, my, you know, my father died this violent death because of this. And, and no, I'm going out like a soldier if I have to, because I've made that decision now. I've created that thought in my mind. I've seen that visualization. And we have to, people think like, oh, it's so extreme. You know what? Violence is extreme. I don't care what kind it is. It's always extreme. So the best way to meet it, you got to meet it at its own level. You know, so being passive, like, okay, just do what you want to me, blah, blah, blah. No, hell no. I'm, like, oh, I'm not well, fucking I mean, you giving you permission that, to yeah. do that. Exactly. You know, hell yeah, no. That you, attitude, then they're gonna, they are going to do what they exactly. are Exactly. Like, do you do not have permission yeah. to do jack crap to me. It's like, you're going to have to violate it. Okay, you, you have to go against every law that I, my law right now is you cannot violate me. So you're going to have to break the law for real. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. <laughs> yeah. But that's how, that's how everybody that's a, that's should That's a t-shirt be. Sincere has on the very back. You cannot <laughs> violate, violate me. me. <laughs> on the back it says exit only. No, but Ted, I'm, I'm curious what you have to, because you know, a, a, lot, of, a lot of experts on not, not only self-defense, self-protection, I've often heard the advice of if, if, ever, if anyone ever pulls a gun on you and they try to take you somewhere, you, you, you just you take them on at that moment. So in other words, you don't let them you do what you can to, to, to try to stop them from trying to take you anywhere, because once they've taken you somewhere now, now you're really at the mercy of wherever they're going to take you. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm not I'm now I, I want to relate this to what happened to your brother. In no way am I saying that your brother should have just ran off or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm curious, what would be your advice to anyone out there? kids, adults, et cetera, is do you think that's the right advice? That if someone has you at gunpoint and they're trying to take you somewhere, are you better off just standing your ground right there no matter what? What do you that, think is the best thing to do? That is such a good question. And yeah. uh, I'll, I want to tell you two stories, uh, uh, two quick stories. Number one, Mike, he should have run. <laughs> My yeah. brother should have run. Because yeah. you know what? Taking a bullet in the heart or taking a bullet, taking a, a bullet in the heart while he was running, which he might not have ever fired that gun because right. he's such a fucking piece of shit pussy. He's picking exactly. on the most helpless uh, individuals in our society, young children, right. prepubescent right. children. Right. He should have run. And, yeah. uh, you know, but we didn't we weren't thinking like that. That's before a lot of this sort of happen and uh right. he should have run so anyway well we have this story of what happened to my brother could he even if he would have got shot in the heart running away he wouldn't have been raped and tortured for hours right, right. so right. uh to me that's better now to answer uh, to, to give you another quick story that happened in miami beach and uh you know a lot of people think that miami beach is a really fun place and it is but it is it's the wild wild oh, man east down here i oh, guess yeah. not the west yes, but there was a story this is a few years after i moved to miami beach even though i'm from miami i moved to miami beach when i was like 21 and uh there was a couple on the beach a young couple so these couple guys walked up to him pulled out guns took them in a van said hey you're coming with us or we're shooting you right here and they took them in a van they raped the girl in front of the guy. Ugh. Okay. Then they, I forget if they shot the guy, then kicked him out of the van. 
uh, this was uh, 10 years ago or something like that, but it just it was a story that stuck with me. Then after uh, raping the girl, then they killed her. They definitely killed her. The guy survived. And so that's what you're looking at. And so right. my answer to your question is based on what seems to happen, you run. Now, I'm no expert at taking guns away from people, although I have done a little bit of that. But I tell you what I do personally is I go for it. Right. You know, and just like right. what Sincere said, because that's you, not the reaction they're going to expect exactly. either. So I, I think you have that element of surprise because when someone has a gun, you know, they think for sure you're going to be scared for your life. But if if you're like, you know what, one way or another, I'm, I'm going to die here. So I'm going to die bum rushing this yeah. guy. And then I have exactly, a chance at least. You, no matter what. And if I somehow disarm this guy, boy, is he going to get it. You know, so <laughs> and, I mean. I think yeah, once, and, once you let someone take you somewhere, I mean, you're not even in a public situation anymore. Like if someone pulls a gun at me in public, I'm in public. So it, yeah. it's, it's unlikely that they're going to pull the trigger in public. Now, who knows what the hell someone's going to do? This is me just thinking out loud. Obviously, this person is not that logical and rational. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing that you know, in the first right. place. But still, I, I always feel just instinctually I have way more of a chance right there standing my ground than – I'm blindfolded in a van going to God knows who where, who knows who, who, who knows where I'm going, you know, right. going yeah, and who knows what they're going to do with you. Exactly. You know, do you really exactly. want to face that? I'd rather own? die than, than be tortured in who knows what else, you know, that that's for sure. You know? Here's the two circumstances. Yeah. Here's the two circumstances, right? If people are kidnapping you because you're, I, and I want to say this first off, I'm a fitness expert. I'm not a, I am. I've I've taught in uh, martial art. I've taught Brazilian jiu-jitsu in uh, mixed martial arts academy, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with that. But I am right. not, a, you know, some world-renowned self-defense guy. You know, even though I, I know quite a bit about it. But so I'm just giving this. I just wanted to clarify that first. But sure. anyway, um, what I was saying was, the other situations are if you're being kidnapped. For ransom, okay, well, that's different then, right? Well, the people right. want money. Right. Or if people are holding a gun to you because they want your watch or your wallet, you know, people ask me, like, ab about that. They're like, what do you do? You give them your fucking wallet. What do you think exactly. you do? <laughs> yeah. Give them your fucking wallet. It's just a yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, especially me. I only carry credit cards, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I don't even have cash, man, so I'm definitely not worried <laughs> your about best, that. Your best bet with me, buddy, if you take my – and that's all I do. If you take my credit card, you better take my cell phone because as soon as you walk away, I'm calling the credit card company like, all right, cut that bitch off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And it's a wrap. And guess what? We're all good. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. So have fun with those credit cards, which are about to be null and void. But what you said, Mike, about the bum rushing, I think men – I, I, actually, it may even be more important for women because they may so. uh, be more victims of this type of situation because guys are bigger and stronger in general. They're not, you know, as long as they're not doing, you know, CrossFit and powerlifting well, or whatever. Say, some of those like, girls in, are pretty today, strong. I'm like, in today's <laughs> society right now, you know, that's even questionable. Way the guys are sitting on their ass getting fat and their estrogen is up high and the women are getting stronger now. So you got to kind of question right. that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, come with me. She picks him up and body but... slams him. Yeah, she's exactly. like, I, I, I squat like... 315 for reps. <laughs> now, a lot of women are tough as nails, and and oh, yeah. the, the, these guys are gonna wish they didn't they didn't target the women. Yeah, God help them, man. But. That point aside, women are still going to be targeted more likely. Yeah, so right. I mean, 
someone who doesn't know anything about Ronda Rousey, she's still going to be a target walking around if you don't know anything about her because she's a woman. That's just the way it is. So I, I always recommend, like when we had Tim Larkin on the show, I go, you know, smart things for women to do when they come to Vegas. Whenever I have any female friends come into town and all that, there's always a few things I recommend. I was like, one, you know, it's not a bad idea to have a friend, like a male friend who's just going to be kind of a chaperone. Just, you know, yep. he's just, just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on. He's, you know, not necessarily hovering around everybody, but he's just within the vicinity. So just making sure that girls are not drinking too much and being led somewhere by some guy because that kind of stuff happens all the time. And then if you don't want to do that, at least do valet parking everywhere you go. You know, don't be in a parking lot by yourself in the middle of the night in Las Vegas or anywhere. You know, so, so certain situations are easy to avoid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's that's all important stuff, man. And uh, I love what Tim Larkin's doing and what he says about the asocial violence versus antisocial violence. I love right. that distinction. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just great stuff. And like you said, uh, even if a woman or a guy for that matter, you really have to be ready to, uh, like you said, sincere, go all the way. Tear out someone's throat with your teeth, poke I eyes think you out. Have to be ready to protect other people too. Yeah, and that's exactly. Kind of the point that sincere and I have brought up is that when when I'm out and about, you know, obviously I'm, I'm I've got protective instincts with whoever I'm with, but at the same time, I'm also kind of I was a I was a bouncer in a crappy club in Ohio for a couple <laughs> years, right? So he's, it's like sincere was talking about how he, he can't go to nightclubs because he hears the DJ and he starts thinking about all the things he would do better and all that kind of stuff. So it just ruins. You know, when I nice. go out and I'm kind of in bouncer mode myself because I, I can kind of tell who the people or troublemakers are a long, like a mile away. I'm like, look at this guy and what he's doing and his body language and the way he's carrying himself. That guy's going to be thrown out any minute, you know, and then sure enough, that guy's thrown out. So I'm pretty good at that. But I, I think it's, a, I think what we need to think about is not just protecting ourselves, but being aware of, of harm that could happen to anyone around us. Because that's one thing that Phil Zimbardo brings up in his book, The Lucifer Effect, as well, is that we need, we need to encourage this, this hero quality. Yes. Where, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to put yourself in harm's way. You know, you could see something going down and you just call security, right, and get them down there. It doesn't. Right. Not everyone's going to feel comfortable putting themselves in the middle of things. And I'm not going to say, you know, just put yourself in harm's way no matter what. That's for each person to decide. But there's always something you can do. You can make a ruckus. You can make noise. You can go for help. You know, these, these are you, basically you're getting involved in some capacity. You know, if you see someone who gets kidnapped, write down the plates on the van and report it immediately. You know, things like that. Just being just being aware of your surroundings, what's happening out there. That's such good advice. And I don't know if you guys saw that video on YouTube where there was a guy who it was a mock uh, abduction of a kid. Huh. And they they showed how the people react to it. Most were most of the people like, you know, very average American types. We're like right. just walking by. Oh God, that's horrible. But I'm not right. going to. Well, exactly. That's exactly what people are going to do because the only people have people, no blueprint. Yeah, the, the only people who actually did something were these two black dudes, right? And people are like, oh, only the two black dudes. It's like, well, <laughs> you know yeah. what? They're the only ones who had the balls to run over <laughs> there and to do something. All the other sort of average-looking people were. Uh, you, they, they just walked by. It didn't even seem like they. We're watching to see what happened and called the uh, uh, called nine one one like like you were suggesting, Mike. It was these two kind of hoodish looking dudes, and they went after the guy quick, and they had to stop. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa! It, it, it's cool. just uh, it's just this to see how people would react, and you guys are awesome because you're the right. only ones who did anything. Right, right. And I think that's very prevalent. You know, it's like they, people don't want to get 
involved but like well, you I mean, said Mike, there's a lot of there's a lot of shows who who illustrate that kind of stuff right there was, yeah, there what, was there, what would was you a, do um yeah, do that yeah a lot exactly, on that show. exactly there was one show where this guy this was a real event so this wasn't staged or orchestrated where this guy was in line at uh it might have been a subway or a place like that and, and someone some lady just cut right in front of him so he's on his cell phone going man this lady just cut right in front of me and she's like, what would you say? So she went out and got her boyfriend who was fresh out of prison, total idiot. This guy just started, <laughs> this guy just started beating him up for no reason, the guy on the cell phone. And there were about maybe 20 people there just watching, doing nothing. They all just got out of the way. I mean, they, they could have easily just tackled this guy or, or, or bum-rushed him or even just shouted stop, you know, any, any of those things. And no one did anything. They all just got out of the way and just looked mesmerized by what was going down. And I think the problem is, is that – People are not exposed to that kind of stuff, you know. What I mean, because I remember the first day I worked at the nightclub when I was in college, and a, and a fight broke out. You know, I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" You know, it took me a second to realize, to to to, to kind of even digest the situation. And then after working there for a while, it was you know you could see it before it happened, and you would jump in immediately. So where I'm going with this is that if if you've never experienced that situation before, I think that's what the average person's automatic response is going to be: is they're going to freeze. They're, gonna, they're right. just going to choke because they have no information in their mind of, okay, here's what I should do in that situation. And that's why it's so important to think about these things. And that's, I think that's what we're really trying to get across today is that you really need to ask yourself, what are you going to do in a situation where you have to intervene and potentially get hurt seriously to intervene? No, are yeah. you are you still going to step in and help someone out? Or are you just going to stand there mesmerized like people in that? But on, honestly, me, if I were watching that video and it was me just standing there mesmerized, I would be ashamed of myself. Right. For a long time, I would be so embarrassed by myself by that. I'd be like, man, that is shameful. Why did I just stand there and do nothing? Like, now, basically, I, I, you are, I would, you're pretty much supporting what's happening. Yeah, you're, you're, you're becoming I, I, an accessory I, I would, to the crime. I, w- I would like to think that I would jump in that in a, in a heartbeat. And and given that I've, I've seen situations like that when I worked security for many years and did jump in, I'm hoping that it would, would be instinctual for me. But I do think about these things, and I think that's important because when it does happen, if and when, hopefully it never happens. Hopefully you go your whole life and nothing happens, right? Exactly. But, That's uh, but ideal. If it, yeah, but if it does happen, you want to have something to go on. And, and especially if it's someone with me who's being harmed, forget it. There's no way I'm not going to get involved. I can say that with certainty. You know, right. I'm going to be ready before something goes down in that situation. Definitely. Mike, were they were the people watching recording it on their phone cameras? Nah, this, is, this is a long time ago, so this oh, is okay. before the day of smartphones and all yeah, that kind now of crap. That, but... Now, on that note, now, that right there, <laughs> whenever I see that stuff, whenever, yeah. you know, some days I kind of just, you know, I, I kind of like, okay, I, I've been busting my butt working hard all day. It's like, okay, I need a little, I need a little BS going on in my life, so I go on YouTube. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you start watching, like, you know, street fights and all this stuff, because again, you get, it's also, it's good research. You get to see, like, okay, so this is how people fighting on the streets now? And this is what's going down? Because there's always some idiot sitting there with their cell phones recording all this stuff. But then you see other ones who are, like, recording crimes and everything else. But they're just sitting there holding their phone and doing, like, dude, why are you not taking that phone, walking up, and busting this? you watching this guy beat his girl. Take yeah. your cell phone and hit him in his freaking temple with it. And then, right. boom, this fight is over. But you want to sit in video so you can go most viral on YouTube. So you can become the star. Or hopefully the news will come to you and, like, hey, can we use your video and interview you on the show or whatever? But why would they want to interview you? Why would you want to be interviewed? Because that just showed that you were the non-compassionate idiot who just sat there and filmed the entire thing instead of actually going and help someone. So that, that just pisses me off when I see that kind of stuff, man. They're just sitting there with their phones all out. I'm like, dude, there is a woman being beaten down by two dudes at the club. She's drunk. Help her out. Why are you sitting there videotaping this laughing like, oh, man, he's whipping her ass. Ha, ha, ha. Like, come on, you're killing me, son. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. 
no, so. no, no honor there. You know, it's, it's just like that, that wussification we were talking about. It's a shame, but, uh, yeah, for men in particular, guys don't be like that. You know, yeah, it's like, look, dude, we're forgetting like, okay, so we're supposed to be the, the stronger species, have some strength, man, stand up and protect someone, you know, go in. Like I said, you don't have to physically be involved. Do something. Do something. Like I said, that, that hero effect is missing now. And like no one wants to be the hero. Everybody wants to either be the victim or the damsel or damn damn dude in distress. Or the guy <laughs> yeah. recording it with their yeah, cell like, phone. Yeah, it's like, yeah. All of a sudden now you want to be Spike Lee. And, you know, and you're trying to put together a documentary <laughs> on the street right here with your gonzo, you know, news reporting or something. Like, dude, you suck ass. You're just you're worse than the scum that's actually committing the crime right now. So you're right there. Right. With you. So. All right, Ted. So do us a favor, man. I know you know we've had you on for a while, man, and I know we got you got to get going. Please tell everybody more about your family's organization and how they can get involved. Right. Yeah. You can go to the Jimmy Rice Center, and that's uh, Jimmy Rice R Y C E dot org, and that's the website. It has all the information on there. And yeah, it doesn't matter what you give, how much you give. Obviously, more is better. Right. But, but it's, it's all, all used, used to do, to donate these bloodhounds blood to law enforcement. Like it's I said, just, it's bloodhounds are just to help find people that are missing and so forth. Is that is that? Yeah. The, well, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a quote. Uh, a bloodhound has sixty times the scent power of a German, German shepherd, and wow. the wow. only dog that can follow a human trail more than a few hours old. Wow. And wow. a bloodhound is your single best bet for bringing a child abducted by a predator home alive. And uh, my, my parents believe that Jimmy would be alive today if they had bloodhounds. And my parents are not, you know, they were, they're not like backwoods people who think, uh, you know, I have that bloodhound, you know, <laughs> I have that bloodhound. No, my parents are really did their research on it. They're both right. attorneys. They both passed laws uh, in the wake of my brother's murder. And they did their research. And it's, it's short of implanting your kids with a GPS uh, chip. So you can find them. The, uh, bloodhounds are the best uh, uh, solution to finding really anybody right. who's missing. And is that, uh, the, is that actually something that's possible? The GPS trip? Uh, oh, they're already doing another? it. They're okay. already doing it, man. I mean, yeah. they started with our, the pets is the first experiment with that. Right. You know, the right, pets. Right. You know, but trust me, yeah, it's it's something that has been explored. You know. Yeah. And, that's controversial. And, and very controversial. That's a different show right there, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just we'll to, yeah. I had a little we'll bit of a Ted back and talk soon, about that. Yeah, as soon as Ted said, yeah. I had a little, I had a little twitch. You know, as soon as he said, yeah. it, like, oh man, that that situation right there. Yeah. I mean, that that would have been so useful in the, in the situation of your brother, no doubt about it. And then, but then you start thinking about privacy and you know other things like that. Like yeah, exactly. since you said, that's a whole another discussion. So well, we anyway, want, we we donate bloodhounds. We don't donate GPS. Yeah, I like I like bloodhounds so, in this situation a lot better, you know. Well, they work. I mean, they're amazing. The guys, the handlers, are such cool dudes. I met a couple of them uh, for the first time. I uh, at uh, well, actually, I met them before, but I had to sit down talk during that two-hour stay of execution where they're figuring out whether uh, they were going to execute them or not. Anyway, super cool guys, and they're really passionate about what they do and. Just really good guys, and it works. Is the bottom line. It works, and Very that's cool. why we give. That's why we uh, help raise them and then donate them to law enforcement for free. And like oh, I sure. said, it's a, it, it's a nonprofit. All the donations are tax deductible, and uh, yeah, that's what we do. Awesome, man. Fantastic. 
Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, man, and sharing your story. And yeah. Like yeah. I said, I'm sure it's going to raise a, quite a few eyebrows, but, you know, that's one of the purposes of us having this show. Right. Looking at thought and just, you know, not have people just walk around passively like everything's just so ho-hum. You know, just really start thinking about some things, man. And, right. And, you know, we encourage everyone to, like, share their story, share your opinion. Hey, we want to know whether you're yeah. for or against the death penalty or, you know, or you've been in a situation such as this. Hey, man, let us know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just just you know you we're provoking thoughts so it's, it's not it's not about getting everyone to agree with everything we have to say it's about getting you to have this discussion period provoking thought thinking about a lot of the topics really intense topics that we covered today and it's really what our show is all about you know a lot of times we're going to have great fitness people come on we're going to talk about training we're going to talk about nutrition we're going to talk about health hormones all that stuff but then we're going to talk about something like this because it's it's just as important if not more important to talk about our social health our society health your mental health Right. Things things that can protect you and your family. These are all very important things as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, well, Ted, thanks so much, man, for coming on, buddy. And yeah, uh, we'd l- love to have you come on. Last thing, really again. quick, I've had the opportunity sure. to do uh, a documentary before and talk about the death penalty, and I turned it down. Mm-hmm. I I really love what you guys do, and really respect both of you a lot. And that's why I decided to to come on here. And I know you wouldn't censor me like some of the other. I've said my piece several times, but it got right. edited out. So I know that you guys wouldn't do that. Nah. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> nope. Not at all. So. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I wish I could censor some of the things I've said on previous, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> previous episodes. You know? But we don't even do that because no, it's about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll say something. I'll be like, huh, maybe I should tell us. Maybe I should ask this here to edit that part out. I'm like, nah, just leave it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah, well, again, you guys buddy. are both coming from a good place. So what can you do? You're, you're trying to make things better. You're trying to educate people, provoke thought and get people to start waking up. So I love it. Thank you, Thanks, man. man. Appreciate really, it. really appreciate it. And also, what's your website in general for your podcast and yeah, exactly. some of the other things you're doing? Yeah, uh, I have uh, it's I'll, it's you can find it at Rice Fitness right now. R-Y-C-E-F-I-T-N-E-S-S, RiceFitness.com. And uh it's called the Alpha Man Project, and I've had uh, Mike on there. Uh, I've had you on there, Mike, and I hope to uh, get sincere on there really soon. We're doing a couple things, but it's basically to help guys become more of this hero type of guy, to help them get better with women, to help them get better with uh, their work, get better results from their workouts and nutrition, right. and to also just be more of that stand-up guy to get what they want in life, to start being a leader instead of a follower and to make a difference in their lives and in the lives of other people. That's great, man. Yeah. Your show is awesome. It was a pleasure being on there. People should definitely check it out. You do a great job. Everything sounds good. Great guests. So definitely check out his podcast. Check it out on, you can download it on iTunes, Stitcher, get it at his website. Ted is just another guy who's contributing a lot of great information, a lot of great free information. Yeah. To, because we all want to get good stuff out there. So the, the more of us that we help, we help each other, you help us out, we're helping you out. It's, it's a good symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot, Ted. We really appreciate it, brother. Hope that you're on soon. sincere. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thanks for letting me share my story. Yeah, thanks for sharing it, man. That was, that was very intense stuff, and we really appreciate you going into that place and, and sharing it with our audience. Thanks a lot, man. You got it. Thank you.